Welcome to another edition of Intelligent Ignorance. Today is just me, co-host, but today official only host, Zayon Smith, a.k.a. Zay Lethal. Today I wanted to do something a little different because it's just going to be me. And today's just, it's probably going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, but today I'm exclusively just going to be talking about movies. I feel as though as time goes on, you'll realize that between me and Sage, I'm a movie head. He's definitely a music junkie, but I'm a movie head through and through. Um, today, I want to talk about comedies, though. And comedy isn't my favorite genre, actually. My favorite genre would probably either be westerns or horror movies. Probably horror movies. But I'll talk about those in a future episode. Um, but I don't really... Um, I don't I don't watch comedies too often. I mean, my favorite comedy show of all time is hands down The Office. Uh Dunder Mifflin Paper Company runs through my veins. Boy, like I don't like that's corny as shit to say, but I don't like that that's it that's how it is. It is true. Like I, I my first time watching The Office, the very first episode that I ever saw was the um the dinner party episode i had no context no nothing and the funniest part to this day is when um i forgot the crazy girl's name but when she looks at him and she comes at him for dipping his steak in um <laughs> in wine and he looks at her and goes i can't believe you'd say that you know I have sensitive teeth. And like, I don't know why that's so funny. To, like, to this day, that's one of the funniest parts of that entire show to me. So, you know what? Yeah, for the first part of this episode, we're going to talk about The Office. Um, anyone listening on Anchor, if you want to send me a, like one of those voice messages or whatever, you're free to do so. Tell me who your favorite character is. I realize I'm talking to no one. But in the event that someone does say it, I'm I'm curious, cause my favorite character, if I if like gun to my head, I had to choose one. It's definitely, fuck, <clears throat> probably Michael because he he makes me laugh the most, and I feel like that's a cop out answer. But close second, probably one B is is Jim, just cause I feel like Jim is the closest to how I'd act in a situation where I worked in an office like that. Because the way he just looks at the camera and reacts to the bullshit that be going on in there on a daily basis, like that, it resonates with me on such a deep level. I feel like that that dry, sarcastic sense of humor, like that, that's, that, that's me right there. And then the way he, he constantly fucks with Dwight. That, that's funny to me. By the way, I want to say this. Dwight is funny. Can't stand him, though. I hate Dwight. Every time I watch The Office, he'll do something at least twice per episode that makes me go. I'd beat the hell out of him for that. But I'm not going to sit here and act like, what's his name, Rain Wilson. I'm not going to act like he didn't kill it as Dwight because he is definitely, like, as far as the funniest goes, he's probably, like, number three. If someone said they thought he was the funniest, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. Not doubt it. I wouldn't argue. I really wouldn't argue at all. Like the way I see it, The Office, what carries that show so well is the fact that the performances are all so great. 
Like, a lot of times I find myself, especially when I first started watching it, I would find myself, like, kind of forgetting that it's a show. Unless Steve Carell was on screen. Because, like, everyone know like, that's Steve Carell. Like, by the time I had started watching it, I had already seen Anchorman and the 40-Year-Old Virgin. So I knew who he was. But, like, Kevin... Angela, I don't like Pam. Uh, Dwight, like like all the performances as a whole were phenomenal, but because of Steve Carell's star power, when he wasn't on the screen, and I was watching others on there like John Krasinski and Rain Wilson and people like that, there were times where for a second I'd be taken out of the fact that it's a show. That's how strong those performances were. And I think that's what makes it better than like Parks and Recreation. And I've never seen Community. And I don't think 30 Rock is as funny as The Office. I'll say that right now. And especially as of late, TV as a whole, like I don't watch TV anymore. Because like all like the sitcoms are terrible. And I'll be the first to admit it. I'm a sucker for a good sitcom, you know? Like, Married with Children is goaded to me. Golden Girls? Goaded. Uh, what's the... Uh, Everybody Loves Raymond? Goaded. You know what I'm saying? But the Big Bang Theory? Nah. Two and a Half Men? Yeah. Big Bang Theory? No. What was that show that Charlie Sheen did after he got fired from uh, Two and a Half Men for being a dick? Um, uh, well, oh, fuck. Well, uh, it was on, it was on FX, uh, Anger Management. Yeah, that show was booty ass cheeks. That show was, mm, and like, it was the, like, I felt like the, the jokes didn't land. Uh, I haven't watched it in a long time. I feel like there was a laugh. I, I vividly remember there being a laugh track. I can't stand laugh tracks, but that's like, laugh tracks back in the day, I feel like they worked. I feel like they weren't laugh tracks. I feel like it was an actual studio audience in there being cracked up by some jokes. Now, though, you've got, like, the Big Bang Theory, and it'll be, like, the joke will be, the punchline is, like, bazinga, and it's, <laughs> like, for, for 30 seconds straight, and they're just standing there waiting for the laugh track to end. It, 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 takes, it, it takes me out of the show. The jokes aren't funny, and... It baffles me that it was on for so long. Like, I will fight tooth and nail for two and a half men. That show was funny to me. John Cryer and, and Charlie Sheen were funny as hell to me. But, 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 I don't know what happened when Charlie, I know what happened. Ashton Kutcher. I like him too. That 70s show, another one of my favorite shows. I, I don't know what it, what, I, like the writing. The dynamic of Charlie Sheen and John Cryer, I feel like the 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 it made the writing not easier, but probably a little easier. And then you bring in a new character, and it's Ashton Kutcher. Like people are already like, "Yo, where's Charlie Sheen? Oh, he died, huh?" And then like the jokes just like it, I don't it, it just wasn't the same. It just what it was not the same. I'm not gonna say it was corny, but it was not the same. Like it it just wasn't. And then back to uh, The Big Bang Theory. That show just was never funny to me. I feel like the only reason... not it, I know for a fact the only reason people liked The Big Bang Theory was because of uh, Kaylee Cuoco. Is her name? The girl that played Penny? Yeah. That's the only reason why people watched. That's it. You will not convince me otherwise. You will not convince me otherwise. 
The only reason people liked the Big Bang Theory is because of Kaylee Cuoco. You will not convince me otherwise. <laughs> um, damn, that was kind of all over the place. But what I actually, like the main thing I wanted to do for this episode is I wanted to talk about an actor that I defend a lot from people that swear to God he's either just not funny or never been funny. And because I have a podcast and because I can voice my opinion, I want to say right now, Adam Sandler is one of the funniest people of all time. I don't care who doesn't like it. I don't care who I don't I don't care who I have to tell. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but Adam Sandler is the funniest dude. One of the funniest dudes of all time. I'm not going to say the funniest of all time because that's capped to the highest degree, but he's one of the funniest of all time. You're not going to look at me and tell me that Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, the wedding singer, Big Daddy, uh, what what a uh, anger management with uh, him and Jack Nicholson. You're not gonna tell me those movies aren't funny as shit. And then and then what what uh, Mr. Deeds? Well, um, well, uh, uh, damn. Who I think Renona Ryder was it? And uh, he had that the black foot. <laughs> yeah, like you're not gonna like those movies are funny. And like, I'll tell you right now, that's my boy. It's eh at best. Okay. I'll tell you right now, Jack and Jill sucked. I don't know how they got Al Pacino to do it. I don't know how much they paid him. I don't know how much they paid Johnny Depp. I know Adam Sandler made a lot. And that's probably why he continues to make movies that aren't as funny as the shit he was making in his heyday. But still, but I, I also want to point out, it's not like he hasn't, like people, are, like people act like he's, he hasn't been funny since like, since The Wedding Singer. You know, like I said, Mr. Deeds was funny. Anger management was funny. Big Daddy is great. You don't mess with the Zohan is great. You know, the Ridiculous Six is not. Why can't we just say that? Why can't we just say Adam Sandler's funny as hell, but he makes garbage a lot right now? Like, I'll be honest. Grown Ups 1 and 2, I will defend. I think those movies are funny. I think I like those movies. I don't give, I don't care what nobody say. I don't, I don't care what nobody say. You're not going to have Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, and Kevin James in the same movie. And it's not about to be funny. And Maya Rudolph, because I like her a lot too. And Salma Hayek, because from Dusk Till Dawn. But you're, I'm not counting David Spade and Rob Schneider, because Rob Schneider's not funny. And David Spade isn't as funny as the people I just named, in my humble opinion. You know, I like, I like, I like the, uh, the, the Saturday Night Live sketches. I like... Tommy Boy, but, um, yeah, it's Tommy Boy where he's running for, or is it Black Sheep? I like both of those, but still, like, that was predominantly Chris Farley. I think David Spade is funny at times, like, I think, what was that show, Rules of Engagement? Like, I don't, I didn't really like that. I I saw it a few times, and I was just like, <laughs> you know, but other outside of that, it, it wasn't really, it wasn't really all that to me. But Grown Ups 1 and 2, they're good. They're okay. If I had to rank them, on a, if I had to score them on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd definitely give them about a solid 5.86. I'd definitely say that Grown Ups 1 is funnier than Grown Ups 2. We don't need Shaquille O'Neal in movies. I've seen Kazam. 
Um, but at the same time, like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, at the, I mean, realistically, at the end of the day, it's like what you like. But for to me, at least, I feel like people go in on Adam Sandler way too hard. And it's like it's like disrespecting a legend to me. Like even like and you look at the, the Netflix movies, um, n- not uh, the, the week of that movie was that movie was I to me. But uh, I believe Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller had uh, a movie on Netflix. I forgot what it's called, but it was surprisingly good. Like it was really good, like funny as hell. But also like really serious when it when it wanted to be when it when it called for it. I was very surprised by it, and I feel like a lot of people haven't seen it, and that's my issue. I feel like people write off Adam Sandler because the bullshit that he puts out gets a lot of press and stuff like that. But the great movies don't really get noticed, aside from Uncut Gems. But that's not a comedy, and I've been knew Adam Sandler could act his ass off for real, for real, because I saw Punch Drunk Love. Um, but we, uh, they not ready for that conversation. They not ready for that. Yes, Adam Sandler deserved at least an Oscar nomination for Uncut Gems. But the Academy wasn't about to nominate Billy Madison. That's just what it is. And I've accepted that. And now I see that Adam Sandler's got a movie coming out called Hubie Halloween. So he kept his word. He's going to release the worst movie he's ever made just to be petty. And you know what? I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Adam Sandler, get your bread. Do you need it? No. Get it anyway. You put out a great movie by, uh, with, with the uh, production company A24, which I want to make an episode talking about because I feel like they're one of the best out, if not the best out, p- pumping out great movie after great movie after great movie. But hold on. Um... Adam Sandler, when when Uncut Gems came out, I remember hearing all the talk about it and how much people were praising it. And it it surprised me that people were praising him to that degree, but it didn't surprise me that he gave that kind of performance because Adam Sandler, to me, has always been good. Like I feel like even in the terrible comedies he puts out, I wouldn't say he's he's acting terribly. The material is just terrible or or mediocre or you know just not up to the standards that we know he can you know, he he can produce at because and I, I that's why a part of me understands why people shit on him because you can't put out the wedding singer, which I think is his best movie. you can't put out the wedding singer and then put out. And I'm not going in order, but The Wedding Singer, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Fifty First Dates, Anger Management, Big Daddy, Mr. Deeds. And then start putting out, like, That's My Boy and Jack and Jill. And even though I like Grown Ups 1 and 2, they're nowhere near as funny as You Don't Mess With the Zohan. You Don't Mess With the Zohan is the funniest movie he's put out in a decade. Easy. And I know I just mentioned the Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller movie, but even that's not funnier than You Don't Mess With the Zohan to me. You Don't Mess With the Zohan is funny as hell to me. Like, (laughs) I saw that movie when I was young. And to this day, 
I still will find myself walking around going like disco, disco, good, good. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, that movie is iconic to me. And that's the last iconic movie that I think he's made. Like, people, my, my age demographic, people that were born after The Wedding Singer and Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and the SNL days and all of that stuff. You look at an Adam Sandler movie that we're going to look back on as iconic as movies from our childhood. You don't mess with the Zohan is definitely, definitely going to be up there. That movie is funny as hell. And anyone who doesn't like you don't mess with the Zohan, in my not humble opinion, is a sociopath. Fight me. That movie's great. <laughs> but um, I don't want to see. I want to I want to try to drag it out, but I don't want to drag it out if I don't have anything to say. And the last thing that I wanted to do was rank my favorite comedians. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up doing this again at a later date when we uh, have a larger audience. And definitely when we're doing the video podcasting. But I want to rank my favorite comedians. So I'm going to I'm going to just do top five, though. And I'm going to start from number one. And my number one pick, it shouldn't be controversial, but I got the feeling that it's going to be if if this gets listened to by the wrong crowd of people or whatever. But Dave Chappelle is the funniest man living right now. You look at Chappelle's show, yes, some of the jokes haven't aged the best. Yes, the, gr- the uh, effects used for some of the skits haven't aged the best, but it was made in 2003. And ended in 2004, I want to say. Yeah, 2004. Um, Chappelle's show was f- the funniest skit, sketch comedy show ever made. The Rick James skits. The, um, the Prince skit. Uh, Clayton Bigsby. Um, oh, man. One of my favorite ones, for some reason, is the episode where he's walking through the mall. But the mall is the internet. And that is a very dated episode to me, but it's, st- I mean, a very dated skit to me, but it's still funny as hell. Another one of my favorite skits is the, um, <laughs> the player haters ball. My name on Twitter is Silky Johnson. Come on now. You know what this is. Um, the player haters ball. The player haters travel back in time and shoot a slave master. <laughs> Come on. Dave Chappelle is a genius. And then, and then, and then he walks away from it all, goes to Africa for like a decade, comes back, puts out two Netflix specials, and is once again at the very top of the comedic world. Why? Because he is the GOAT. There will never be another Dave Chappelle. There was never somebody before him that I think was funnier than what he is when he came out. I just butchered what I was trying to say. But you get what I'm saying. Like before him, there was Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, uh, George Carlin, Red Fox. Yeah, they're legends. They're funny as hell. Clearly, it goes without saying. Dave Chappelle is funnier than them. I said it. I don't apologize. You know, and then he just won two Emmys. So to all the people that don't like him, too bad. Like he said, shut the fuck up forever. <laughs> you know, like that. It it just is what it is. Um, number two, Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald is. He hasn't done too many movies, really. So I I feel like that's why a lot of people really don't know him. Most people probably know him through 
Saturday Night Live, the movie Dirty Work, which I love, and um, the uh, the podcast he did. Uh, I think it was called Norm MacDonald Live. But Norm MacDonald is one of the funniest dudes ever, and I don't I don't know what it is. Like I saw the I think he wrote it was the roast of Bob Saget where he went up there and just told dad jokes for like ten minutes. Like, he bombed on purpose, and it was genius. And only Norm MacDonald could pull something like that off. But my number three is definitely Jim Carrey. That goes without saying. If you know you know who Jim Carrey is, you know he's one of the funniest there is. The Mask, Liar Liar, The Cable Guy, In, in Living Color. Jim Carrey is one of the GOATs. And it's nice to know that, you know, people thought he went crazy. I like to think he's just woke as shit now. He's so woke that he might actually be crazy. And you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, although I will say this, that, uh, that um, Andy Kaufman documentary that, that, uh, that he did on Netflix, that shit was weird as hell. I don't know what acid they did before they filmed it. I don't know how much weed they was smoking. It was weird as hell. <laughs> you know? But, uh, you know... Oh, and Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber is his funniest movie. I'll say that right now. Fight me. Um, Jim Carrey to God. <laughs> number four. Number four is Eddie Murphy. I saw Delirious when I was way too young, and it changed the way I looked at stand-up. I felt as though... Being a stand-up comedian, that stand that that stand-up special showed me that you can really—I mean, some of those jokes have aged poorly. Some of those jokes maybe could not be made right now, but I will say that he that that stand and then raw afterwards, those stand-ups showed me that if you're funny. If you are really funny, you can make the most outlandish, outlandish, gross, grotesque, filthy jokes you want. And people will love it and they will love you because you are funny. It's clever. You know, my favorite joke from the um, from Delirious was a uh, Goonie Goo Goo. And anyone who's listening to me, I would assume you've seen Delirious. If not, shame on you. But you know, like you, you know how funny that it is, Goonie Goo Goo. God damn it! <laughs> um, and last but not least, Adam Sandler. I've already went on a huge tangent, huge rant about how I feel Adam Sandler gets way, way too much hate. How he gets shit on unjustly. So. You already know how I feel about him. And that should tell you how I feel about Norm MacDonald, Jim Carrey, Eddie Murphy, and Dave Chappelle. If I think that he, if, if I think that Adam Sandler is number five, because I love Adam Sandler. I love all of their work. But Adam Sandler is number five. It is what it is. What it is. I don't, no hate, no, no shade to him. You know what I mean? I will say that I feel like the other people I named are way more consistent than Adam Sandler. And that's not controversial. That goes without saying. But um, 
that's gonna wrap it up for this episode this was uh definitely the shortest one we've put out but that's because it's just me here and i know that most podcast listeners prefer the uh the dual combo the two-piece no biscuit the uh sage and zion combo you prefer having two people to listen to so that it's a conversation and not like a lecture but this is what it is just for this episode sage will be back there's nothing going on um my social media make sure to follow me on twitter at zay lethal make sure to follow the podcast on instagram at intelligent intelligent dot ignorance i want to plug sage's social medias but i'm not gonna lie i don't know them i'm not sorry uh sorry for not posting on friday we're both working and i'm in college so we are busy do not hold it against me if you do kind of being an asshole just saying but you will hear from us again on monday see ya welcome back to another edition of intelligent ignorance i'm your host zayon smith you can tell i'm in a good mood because i feel like i just now realized that october means halloween movies halloween movies i feel like i just realized october means halloween and halloween means scary movies now you see a lot of people get antsy and jittery and excited and happy when we get to october because they think about christmas for some fucking reason like we forget about halloween and thanksgiving is the most slept on holiday there is i'm gonna say that right now we just forget about those and it's straight to jolly old saint nick but not i not i i want to give october it's just due and since there's not gonna be a halloween this year if you've got any common sense if you're not a psycho you're not gonna go trick-or-treating or letting you like yeah like there's, there's no halloween this year it's canceled and because of that i feel like the only way to really get into that holiday spirit is to overload on horror movies and that that's not really a big deal to me I've realized that there aren't too many people that really sit down and watch horror movies by themselves just for fun. So I I realized that I'm I'm considered a psycho by a decent percentage of of the population. But uh yeah, I love horror movies. I've said it before. Horror movies are my favorite genre. It's undisputed. It's not even it's not even up for debate as far as I'm concerned. Horror movies, a good horror movie though. A good horror movie, to me, there's nothing, there's no better experience. Like, yeah, you go to a comedy and you're laughing, ha ha, he he, ho ho. But at the end of the day, you go to a horror movie, a good horror movie, you go to the movies, you see a great horror movie like, like The Conjuring 1 or 2 or Hereditary, you're fully engaged in that damn thing and you're really on the edge of your seat heart pounding paranoid sweating and stinking you know like it you're you're all in that's why i like horror movies more than anything else because I, that the engagement that a great horror movie can create to me is unparalleled and it's not really rivaled by any other genre of movies you got like i said you got your comedies you got your crime dramas you got your science fiction you know 
And science fiction can be pretty engaging too, but I feel like there's a disconnect there. There's a disconnect with some horror movies too, but there's a disconnect with certain, not even certain, I feel like with science fiction movies because you can look at, like, you can look at a, a movie like Blade Runner or Blade Runner 2049 and be like, oh yeah, that could be what the future is like, but that's going to be a long time from now. Or you're looking at it like, oh, well, that's not what it's like right now and that it doesn't take you out of it but it doesn't really it doesn't really hit the same you see a movie in the theaters like hereditary which i didn't even see in theaters that movie it's very realistic in a sense where the paranormal stuff that happens in it it's not overtly like it's not overtly supernatural. Like, it could be explained another way. Like, spoilers, clearly. It's an older movie, but spoilers. Um, when when Tony Collette... Uh, it's at the beginning of the movie. When Tony Collette is uh, in, in the room where she's making the miniatures, and right as she's about to leave and shut the light off, and she does shut the light off, and she sees her mother... Um, you could just write that off as, oh, the mother just died. She's seeing stuff. Oh, you know, she might be going crazy. But it's not until the end of the movie and you've seen everything. And if you're really paying attention, you've seen all the little hidden details or, or the, the uh, yeah, the little hidden details. And you've pieced the puzzle together as as much as you th- best could. You know, I've seen it like three times and I don't even think I've picked up on everything. I've seen it more than three times. What am I talking about? I've seen it like at least five times and I don't think I've picked up on everything. But even then, with with Hereditary and what the director Ari Aster did, like that, by the end of the movie, you're going, like you've been through so much emotionally and like mentally and maybe even physically, that when they're in the in the treehouse, and I, I really don't want to spoil the ending, but when they're in the treehouse, and everything is happening, and you're sitting there processing it all, like, you're just, it, it's, I, a lot of people that I know, they, the ending was eh to them, you know, it wasn't the strongest ending, it wasn't the weakest ending, I like it. I don't really hate it. I don't see an issue with it. It doesn't disappoint me. It didn't take me out of the movie. It didn't underwhelm me or anything like that. Um, But do I think the ending of the movie was scary? At like the very ending? Like the last two minutes? No. No. Everything before that, yes. <laughs> Hereditary is my favorite, mm, second favorite horror movie of all time. I'm going to get into my number one later on. But Hereditary, it's definitely the best horror movie that's been made in the past decade. And the only movie I see being scarier than that, honestly, hasn't even come out yet. And I don't even know what it is. I think it's going to be a movie directed by Ari Aster. I think the only person that could outdo him is him or somebody else from uh, the A24 studio. Because that studio just doesn't miss. Like, you look at what they've put out. Um, I almost said Screen Gems. <laughs> Fuck. Um, uncut Gems. 
The Witch, uh, Midsummer, Hereditary, you know, like, what's going on? The Lighthouse, fucking Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. I remember I saw the trailer for that movie, and I was like, hmm. You know, it's in black and white. It looked like, I'm, I can't tell you the millimeter thing, whatever it was shot in. I can't tell you that, but. It, I love I, I loved it I really I really dug it and it it caught my attention the presentation of it caught my attention and Willem Dafoe is a great actor you know platoon spider-man he's a great actor we know this Robert Pattinson is a great actor too we didn't know that though until after Twilight I don't care who I offend with this. Twilight is hot garbage. Garbage. Trash. I'm not I'm not and this is this is about scary movies. And yes, Twilight is scary because of how garbage it is. But it's not a horror movie. It's just horrifically bad. But <laughs> that was corny as fuck. <laughs> but uh I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start shitting on Twilight. That's not what I'm here for. Um I want to I want to talk about Hereditary and then get into a few more horror movies. Uh the scariest part from Hereditary. I'm going to say it right now. The scariest part from Hereditary. I'm going to say it right now. The scariest part from Hereditary is when the daughter gets her head taken off. And damn, I should y'all knew I was going to spoil it. I don't want to hear it. If you haven't seen it already, shame on you. Okay, shame on you. All right, shame on you. Okay, <laughs> Hereditary is great, and the thing that I love about that scene so much was the build up to it. You know, there's so much groundwork that was getting laid down. You know, like the mom. I'm I'm calling her by the actress's name because I don't remember the the, the character's name. Uh, Tony Collette when she was telling. Uh, Charlie, when she was telling her, oh, yeah, your brother's going to a party. You're going with him. Charlie says straight up, she was like, no, nah, that's okay. She's like, what do you mean that's okay? No, you're going to go. You're going to meet high school kids. You're 12-year-old. You're going to go there. You're going to have fun. Because we all know that high school parties are a great place for preteens to meet people. So she ends up going. The brother is like, hey, how about... You go meet people. I don't know what was going on with these people. Like, that's the one thing I'll say. Like, I, I don't get that. My, I don't have kids, clearly. But if I did, I'm not letting my daughter go to, a, to, to my son's high school party that he's going to. I was in high school. Especially now. I was in high school in the 2010s and finishing up in 2020. I know what it was like. That's not happening, okay? Shame on you, Tony Collette. Anyway, they're at the party... And Nat Wolf is telling his his sister, oh, yeah, well, you know, you can just, the, the cake is for everybody. You can just go have some cake, you know. And something masterful about this movie was that earlier on, you see Charlie eating a Hershey's bar. And the father walks up to her and he goes, that doesn't have nuts in it. And Charlie goes, no. And the mother walks up. They're like, oh, yeah, right, we're going. Da, 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 da. Oh, that doesn't have nuts in it. You know, you're allergic, right? Just passing in conversation, letting you know she's allergic to her 
to to it. Why? Because when they're at the part, when she's at the party with her dickhead brother, what does he do? He leaves her to go have some cake while he goes to talk to this hot girl that he had class with. And is like, hey, 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 do you smoke? Because I've got great weed. And she's like, yeah, I do smoke. Rookie move, boy. I saw it coming a mile away. What did she do? She brought him upstairs to a room with other stoners. So what happened? Your plan failed. We'll get him next time. Only there wasn't a next time. Why wasn't there next time? Because the cake had peanuts in it. Peanuts? It had nuts in it. And Charlie's eating it, and she's already hitting that... Like she's gagging and can't breathe shit. And you as the as the as the audience member, you're like, oh shit. She's she's having an allergic reaction. Oh my god, oh no. Beautiful storytelling. Masterful storytelling. Charlie walks up to the room. She's telling her brother, yo, I cannot breathe. I can't breathe. I'm unable to inhale oxygen. This is a problem. So he starts panicking, as anyone would. He's like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm a shitty brother, I'm a shitty brother, we're going to be okay. I'm going to drive you in this like 2012 pickup, not pickup truck, this minivan, fucking soccer mom, middle-aged white woman minivan. I'm going to speed going 30 miles an hour, flooring it going 30 miles an hour, I might add. Talking about some, we're going to make it to the hospital. We're going to make it to the hospital. She, Charlie, gasping for air, struggling to breathe, clinging to, to life. She, op- she opens the window, sticks her head out, trying to get that, that cool rush of oxygen into her closing windpipe. And then what happens? Bam! Pole takes her head off. That's, it all happened so fast that... I remember my first time watching it with my sister. We both just sat there in silence, like, <gasps> silence, it's tangible silence. And something that I loved about that scene was the brothers sitting there in the driver's seat, and he's, you can see, I don't know how. They managed to get across how tightly he was gripping the steering wheel, but he was gripping that mother. <laughs> he was gripping it. You know what I mean? Like gripping it, because he was he was he was probably panicked. Probably he was panicked, and he's sitting there like you can hear for some reason like you could only hear like his breathing low key, and he was breathing all hard and like fast and. Something that I liked was it. the camera was focused on his face and it showed that uh, his eyes, he was starting to like look up at the, um, you can tell I don't drive, at the mirror. Um, he was looking up at the mirror because he wanted to see if Charlie was okay. And then he immediately looked down. And when he looked, as he was looking up, the camera moved up. And then when he immediately looked down, the camera did that quick as, um, you know, look back down with him i loved that i like the the little directing techniques i i loved it and then he just drives home why he just drives home with his sister's lifeless headless body i don't know but at the same time it's like well what would you do i would probably run away 
to a country, not the United States. Because I, I, I don't, I'm not, I couldn't, number one, I don't even think I could live with myself if I did some shit like that. Let alone face my parents, okay? It's a wrap for me. I'm done. It's clips. My name is Jorge. I live in Mexico now. That's just what it is. I sell. I'm not going to say that. Just. <laughs> but. um, <laughs> Like the, the movie. It, it really. it. I don't know how it got this done so well. I don't know how it got this across so well. Like the depression and just the the sadness and the tragedy that just loomed over this family it it came across so well like you really felt for them and that's why i think ari aster is definitely going to be our like horror movie icon as far as like directors go because one thing that i've thought about is you got ridley scott spike lee Francis Ford Coppola, Stanley Kubrick, Quentin Tarantino, Ingmar Bergman, you know, all of those great, renowned, illustrious, best of the best directors, nothing more to be said, clearly, obviously, right, right, but we, do we have that? Like, years from now, who are gonna be our, like, Ingmar Bergman's, Tarantino's, Kubrick's, Kurosawa's? Spike Lee's, you know, I think we've got Ari Aster. I think we've got Jordan Peele. I think we've got um, Denis Villeneuve. Um, but I mean, I, I don't. I think that I think the level of not the level. I think the amount of great and talented directors is definitely not as large as it once was. And keep in mind, I'm a young kid, you know, so this is all based on stuff that I've done, spending hours upon hours of just watching movie analyses and watching movies and, you know, reading up on all these different directing techniques and writing techniques and directors and, you know, their methods to their madnesses and all of that stuff. Um, So I really do have a deep appreciation for directing specifically I, I i have an appreciation for actors clearly you have to because they're just as important but i do think that directors are the most important piece to the overall puzzle of filmmaking because they're the ones at the helm of making it all come together you know like you you take a movie like um something like like the shining in the spirit of October, you take a movie like The Shining. I think The Shining in the hands of any other director would not be anywhere near as good. I don't fuck what Stephen King thinks The Shining is great. All right? I don't want to hear it. Okay? I don't think anyone could do better than Stanley Kubrick did with The Shining. You know, the, the, the elevator, the, the, the blood pouring out of the elevator. The twins, Jack Nicholson's performance, Shelley Duvall's performance, performance, which got shit on, I found out, makes me sad. Also makes me sad to see what she looks like now. Not even trying to be funny. It just, it makes me sad. Damn. But, you know, you've got uh, 
in such an important role in the director that I, I really do appreciate guys like Denis Villeneuve and Guillermo del Toro and Stanley Kubrick and Quentin Tarantino because the ability to have your own unique directing style that is unique to you and specific to you and when someone watches a movie they don't even have to see your credit yet as far as like directed by they just watch the movie and like with Spike Lee how there's the the pan not the pan shot but the the shot where he's like following the characters walking and it looks like they're just moving on like this like uh like this escalator type platform thing or you take Stanley Kubrick with the zoom or you take Quentin Tarantino with the dialogue and the violence and the fantastic soundtrack so you take um uh, uh George Miller with his action you know I think it's such an incredible thing to be able to create this kind of visual art and have a unique style and have a way of presenting it that is only you because yeah there's gonna be copycat motherfuckers out there but they don't do it as good as the original like you're not gonna have a guy go watch lock stock and two smoking barrels or go see snatch and think oh i'm gonna make a movie like guy Ritchie," or go see the Shining or Full Metal Jacket and think, oh, I'm going to put a gratuitous zoom in my movies just like Stanley Kubrick. Only Stanley Kubrick didn't do it gratuitously because that motherfucker was a genius. Okay? <laughs> I'm passionate about this shit. I'm passionate. All right? I love movies. I love them. Almost as much as I love gardening. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but to move on from Hereditary, I want to talk about my favorite movie of all, my favorite horror movie of all time, which I already mentioned is The Shining. Now, for the rest of this episode, it's going to be The Shining. So if you think The Shining is garbage, how? Or if you love The Shining, great. Welcome to the club. Um, I think The Shining is the best psychological horror movie ever made because of the the amount of detail and the amount of precision in everything that went into making the movie that Stanley Kubrick did. I didn't articulate that the way I wanted to, and it kind of upset me just now, not gonna lie, but we move on from things like that, because there's a lot that I want to say about this movie that has been said already. There's a documentary about it, for fuck's sake, that I have not seen, because despite what many people may think, including my parents, I have a life. Um, But I love The Shining so much because, A, the soundtrack. The soundtrack was, to me, it was predominantly like noises. And one of my favorite pieces of sound from the movie is the, um, I can't even replicate it. But if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, it's this, it's this melody that plays after, not even after, uh, it's when, it, it's when, it's when Wendy's walking up the stairs and she sees the guy in the, in the, uh, in the bear suit blowing the guy in the, uh, in, dressed up like the, uh, in, in the tuxedo. 
if the guy if the guy's got a name, if the character's got a name, I don't know it. Like I said, I've got a life. I swear to God, I do. Um, the that that sound, I love it, it. I I love that sound, and I love the movie so much that in everyday life, I'll find myself. It it'll, it'll play in my head when I see some wild shit. I can't tell you how many times I was walking through the hallway in high school and saw some shit I would have loved to go my entire life without seeing, and when I saw it, it played in my head. All right, Stanley Kubrick has got a spell on me. All right, I may have The Shining. I don't know. <laughs> um, I love Shelley Duvall's performance, and I want to get into that. I want to get into that because I feel like it. Even people that love The Shining don't really talk about her performance as much as they talk about Danny Lloyd's performance or Scatman Carruthers' performance or clearly Jack Nicholson's performance. Shelley Duvall played the character of a woman plus she played the role of a woman who was so broken and tired and drained and exhausted from everything she'd been through so well like the scene where the the, the scene everybody fucking knows where jack nicholson is taking the axe to the door and he goes here's johnny and he sticks his hand in there and shelly duvall screaming her fucking lungs away slices his hand that took everything in her. Even when he was um when he was stalking her up the stairs and he was like, Wendy, give me the bat, give me the bat, give me the bat, you know? And she hits him in the head with the bat and he tumbles down the stairs and realistically should have died. You know, and made pro eh, I think so. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck if you're a doctor. I think he shouldn't have made it. Um That took everything that she had in her. And I think Shelley Duvall portrayed that very well. Mostly because she didn't have a choice. Stanley Kubrick was terrorizing her. Um, but I, I, I don't get why her performance was so hated on. And this isn't something that I grew to appreciate. Like, even when I first saw it, when I was 13 years old, 12 years old, maybe. No, I, I, no, 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 I was 13. Because I was in 7th grade. 7th grade? I was in 7th grade. I was 13. 8th grade. Fuck. Don't trust my memory. It's the gardening. Um, I loved her performance even then. I loved it. I loved the entire movie. I know people that don't like the movie. And this, or, or it took them multiple viewings. And I get it because there's movies that I've seen that did require multiple viewings for me to appreciate it. Like 2001 A Space Odyssey. When I first saw it, I liked it a little bit. And when I saw it again, I loved it. I I don't really I can't really tell you what changed. I just appreciated it more. I think I got it more maybe. But with The Shining, nah. Nah, I got that shit ASAP. I loved that movie ASAP. And it was almost entirely because of Jack Nicholson back then. The way he performed in that movie is unparalleled to me. I haven't seen another performance like that. I hadn't seen another performance like that by an actor or actress up until Tony Collette in Hereditary. Jack Nicholson, from the rip, there was something about him and that smile and like the teeth and the grin and the eyebrows and the fact that his forehead was popping with the receding hairline. Like he just, <laughs> like he just, there was like his, he played a man unhinged a man on the edge a man who needed alcohol and went without it because he was an alcoholic so perfectly jack nicholson is the perfect crazy man 
to me, just like Willem Dafoe. They're two sides of the same coin. I don't think I used that right, but they're both crazy as hell to me, and they both perform, they, they both play characters that are so crazy, because I think in real life, those motherfuckers are insane. You don't play a character like Jack Torrance and the Joker and the character in The Departed unless you're a little off. And um, uh, uh, McMurphy in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, Jack Nicholson is a millionaire with some screws loose. But he's my favorite actor of all time. Who starred in my favorite horror movie of all time. Go figure. Um, but I want to get into another thing that I really... One uh, that I really appreciate, and that is Danny Lloyd's performance. Now, clearly, it's almost it's common knowledge that child actors are almost routinely terrible and raped by the adults in the industry, but Danny Lloyd is the exception to the rule. For the first part, I know for sure. I don't know about the second part, but. Danny Lloyd was great. Like the way he was talking to Tony and then his reactions to when he saw um saw the twins in the hallway and come play with us Danny forever and ever and ever. And when he went into Jack Torrance's room to talk to him and Jack told him, "I wish we could stay here forever and ever." And ever. I just picked up on that five years after seeing the movie for the first time. And I've seen it damn near a hundred times. Stanley Kubrick, once again, genius. There will be no discussion. That's just what it is. I don't, I don't make the rules. I just live by them. All right? Rule number one, Stanley Kubrick is goaded. Rule number 4080, record company people is shady. I'm corny, yo. <laughs> I'm corny as shit. I'm sorry. Um, um, but um, my my favorite scene from The Shining, if I had to, if I had to nail it down to one, because anytime I see the elevator, uh, the blood pouring out of the elevator, like I just love it. I have a gif saved in my phone just of that, but. My favorite scene from The Shining is definitely when Jack Nicholson walks into room 237 and he uh, he kisses the uh, wife, which to him looks beautiful at first. And then, boom, it's a it's a it's a corpse. And that laugh, it's the scariest laugh I've ever heard. Like it haunts my dreams. It haunts my waking days, bro. Like it, it stays with me always and forever that is one of those things about that movie that just made it perfect like just perfect you can tell i love that movie uh, unapologetically it is what it is I, I, don't, I don't care like anyone listening to this you want to reach out to me at zay lethal on twitter and tell me that you hate the movie i'll block you i don't give a fuck this is a dictatorship not a democracy i'll block your ass we love the shining around here all right, but uh, let me stop. Let me stop. I'm just playing. But because it's just me, once again, I want to get out of here a little, uh, a little early. Even though this one was about a half hour, so we, we, I did pretty. I said we. I did pretty good on this one. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. But uh, 
something I want to do for the rest of the uh, month of October for any episodes that I do by myself, they will be strictly horror related, whether it's horror stories from my life, horror movies that I love, horror movies that I hate, or songs that are like horror songs to me. Because I'm not going to lie, that song Sweet Dreams by Marilyn Manson, when I saw the music video, gave me fucking nightmares. That's why I don't fuck with him. All my, like, nah, all my homies hate Marilyn Manson. I don't, uh-uh, we don't rock with that. Nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. <laughs> but make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Zay Lethal, like I said. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram, at Intelligent.Ignorance. Make sure to listen to us on all of the platforms we have available, because we want to grow, and we want you to grow with us, personally, business-wise, I'm I'm talking out of my ass. I'm just trying to drag it on here, create a a, a professional sounding intro. Um, but see you got see you guys. You will hear me again, whether it's with Sage or without Sage. You will hear another episode on Friday, as promised. Deuces.